Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? So Jackie, it was really my idea to start a AMA or Ask Me Anything episode. And this was based on um, my son telling me that a lot of the influencers have, you know, have AMAs. And it's like, well, what's an AMA? And it's like, ask me anything. So what we've done in the past, Jackie, is to ask our listeners if there's anything that they want to ask us. So maybe it should be AUA, mm. ask us anything. Yeah. Um, but this time round, in this episode, we haven't really had a lot of feedback from listeners. So, which could mean one one of two things: that they we're doing a fabulous job with our fabulous keto podcast, and all their questions are being answered. Or maybe this format isn't working. Yep, either is possible. Or they just don't want to ask any questions and wait for somebody else to ask some questions. We've had a, a I think a couple of the previous episodes, we haven't done questions. We've just had a chat. We've just been chatting. So I think it would be interesting to find out from the listeners if if they like this type of episode, just you and me shooting the breeze, or if they'd rather just have interviews, other people interviews. So, dear listeners, we're, we're asking for a poll. Do we keep the, you know, regular AMAs. I think it's every 13, 14 episodes we schedule an AMA. Yep. Or do you want to not hear about, as Jackie said, us shooting the breeze? Um, you know, and we can obviously schedule, go back to our regular programming. Um, so we're happy either way, Jackie. So I don't think it really matters. We just thought that the AMA was a great way to hear um, if there's any questions from our listeners and, you know, provide an opportunity to, to answer them. But equally, we're just as fine as to stop this sort of format and just go back to an interview. So just let us know on our social media or you can fill out a contact form on the website and just tell us what you think. Great. So now we go over to the actual episode that we created where we we already mentioned about the AMA, but we just wanted to ask your opinion. So we've added in this in after. So just to ask your opinion, do you like it? Do you like the format? Or would you rather just have us interviewing somebody else? Love to hear from you. Welcome to the Fabulously Keto Podcast. This is episode 99. Jackie, we're almost at our 100th episode. How exciting for us. I know. It's very, very exciting. Who'd have thought? Well, I know. And um, it feels like we're standing on a precipice and we're just about to 
to launch into triple figures. So, um, well, dear listeners, today is a ask us, ask me, ask us anything episode. So every every so often we have been sort of putting in the scheduling program a opportunity for our listeners to ask us anything, AMA, which um, I sort of just as a quick reminder, you know, this sort of format was something that, um, uh, you know, a lot of the I suppose the influencer types, Jackie, we're influencers, um, have the opportunity to ask us anything. So we posted on our Facebook page, the Fabulous Keto um, Facebook page, um, to see if there's any questions, if there's anything out there. And it's like that everything's okay out there. All the listeners are, are all tickety-boo. So we have no questions. Yeah. No questions. So it went out on Instagram and Twitter as well. So no questions there. Which Jackie and I have obviously open floor, which is, you know, you know, us listeners, we can talk about anything. We can, you know, I can magically talk underwater. So we will just be, I don't, thank you. <laughs> we will just um, have a bit of a rolling conversation, but I know Jackie has sort of been putting in the newsletter. So again, uh, listeners, if you haven't subscribed, um, you can go to the Fabacy Keto uh, page, the internet page, and you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Jackie in the newsletter has been describing how she's been on holiday. She had two wonderful, lovely summer holidays, one to Spain and one to Portugal. And you've got those sneaky little holiday pounds, kilos, stones um, that stubbornly won't go away. Very true, yes. So uh, I've been on three holidays, actually. Oh. So if you count s- March. Sorry. So. You know, Miss, <laughs> Miss Tripolot. <laughs> so March I went uh, and I put on some weight because I was mostly off plan Um, and then it went down but it didn't go down to what it was before then in May I went away and it went or it did go more or less down after the March one then May I went away and it went up again but didn't come back down and then the Portugal one it went up but I'm back to where I was more or less where I got when I got back from holiday in May. So I'm still five, just five, six pounds higher than I was before, before all this holiday season started. So, but the early, the first holiday was your skiing holiday, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was, that was when you were in Switzerland. Switzerland. Yes. That's right. So um, I, I've just got obviously, you know, envy. I've got, you know, EU envy sort of stuck here in Chile, you know, Melbourne, Australia, where, you know, it's been freezing. And I know that this week you've been in the UK sweltering in the summer heat, the hottest summers. And um, so, yeah, I, so just to sort of orientate the timeline for our northern and southern, southern hemisphere listeners, so you had your skiing holiday and then you had your summer holidays in, in Spain and then Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. So the plan of attack, 
was Jackie thought today's episode, seeing as we didn't have any questions, we would talk about levers and what we can do to sort of, you know, think about levering the various ways for Jackie to, you know, try something. One intervention will take this as a scientific approach. So one intervention which we can measure for a period of time to see what the effect will be. And we have identified at least four different levers that we want to discuss with, you know, discuss as possible pros and cons, perhaps. Yeah. And it was it was not just about me, I think for lots of people. Um, and I was when when I mentioned levers, I was specifically actually thinking about a client of mine who has worked with me, but she didn't get the results that she wanted in the first three months. Now, I know for weight loss, quite often I prefer to work with people for six months because I think three months is actually a short period of time for an, a middle-aged woman pre- or perimenopausal. Um, it can be quite challenging to lose weight. So what I did was I gave her a list of different levers she could try. And I just thought that would make quite a good episode. So we can use me as an example or we can just talk generally. Um, don't mind. But I, I, ne I need to do something. I know I need to change something up to shift the weight. Sure. So let's identify first up the the four levers that we've identified for discussion. So whether you're the case study or generally, but I think it's important to sort of go you know, with the three macronutrients that, that we know is protein, fat and carbohydrate. So I think that what we are going to have a look at, what are the pros and cons of each of these? So we could do higher protein and we can really drop your fat, obviously keeping your carbohydrates the same. Option number two is increase your fats but still maintaining a moderate protein and obviously keeping your carbohydrates low. Option number three is we've spoken quite a lot about fasting and you and I have tried different patterns and we have, you know, had some success and, you know, some more or less success with, with these different patterns. And the fourth option is really to sort of consider about you think your carbs are low, but they're not because of carb mm. creep. So I think if we start with number one, Jackie, um, with the higher protein and lower fat, have you tried that in the past? And if so, how did it go? I haven't really. What I have been doing more recently is making sure I am getting some higher protein. So not every day, but most days I've been aiming for 100 grams of protein a day. Why 100 grams? Why 100 grams? Because they say they. they. <laughs> In inverted commas, the royal, the royal they. Yes. So if you think back to episode 87 with Vanessa Spina, she spoke quite a lot about the higher protein and she was saying for your ideal body weight, lean body weight, and let's say 
So I'm currently 13 stone. And let's say my ideal body weight is 10 stone. That's 140 pounds. So 140 times 0.8 is 112 grams of protein up to one gram. So that's 0.8 of a gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. And um, up to a one gram per pound, which would be 140 I'm with with some of these sorts of metrics and you're switching between pounds and kilos and ideal body weights and obviously that sort of stuff. So it the the formulas do vary according to the keto guru that you you're talking to. But one gram per was it point eight or or one per kilo or per, or pound? Per pound. Per pound, okay. So it's one po- about so, 1.6 grams per kilo. Per kilo, right, great. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, so because obviously um, Australia uses metric, so but uh, many of our listeners are using imperial. So one gram per pound per um, of your ideal body, lean body, not your whole yeah. body. Yep. Lean body. So what we have is a higher then normal because the the reference value is is really quite low and we can up our protein but i think you know there's there's a discussion about protein quality and making sure that it's good quality protein but some of that protein then is obviously comes with fat but if we want to sort of make sure that our added fats we sort of you know drop the cream no clotted cream, you know, no extra drizzles of butter over our veggies, um, you know, swapping the higher fat yogurts for the lower fat yogurts. You know, we're, we're just obviously very mindful of, you know, preferentially consuming our good quality protein um, and then obviously dropping back on the added fats. What do you think that that will help do? Well, again, it should really just help with that lowering of the insulin. So I think with the um, making sure that we are lowering insulin and we've got those amino acids and we the you know protein helps to obviously build better lean muscle and our lean muscle is really the site of our um, you know, metabolic engine um, and making sure that we actually are tuning up our metabolic engine for that. And also, you know, there is some contention about making sure that we, we if we want to lose fat, don't add plate fat, you know, making sure that we're actually using our own body fat. I mean, there is a bit of, you know, again, the, the keto community talks, you know, has these argy-bargies about these sorts of things as well. Mm, yeah. So, so. Higher protein would therefore be, and when you say quality, are we talking grass-fed, grass-finished meat, organic meat, or could somebody just buy meat from the supermarket and eat? Yeah, what do you mean in terms of quality? Yeah, well, we don't have to, part of, again, this is the discussion between the omega-3 ratios and the omega-6. So the grain for grain fed meat, it, you know, has been found to find um, in the actual 
meat sauce itself has a higher sort of omega-6 rather than the good omega-3s. So mm. there is marginal, um, you know, between marginal sort of retention of the omega-6s in the grain-fed sort of animal. But, it, you know, again, it's about making keto, low-carb, whatever way of eating you want to do, affordable and sustainable. And if that means eating your... Um, your minced or your ground ground beef for the American listeners, um, you know, and that's actually an 80-20 or a 70-30, you know, whatever it is that that works for you and is accessible for you long term. But, we, yeah, I think it needs to be sustainable and accessible. So, But what it is is preferentializing the protein sources which work for you. So whether that's beef, as a red meat, lamb. Some people don't like the gamey flavours of that. Um, your chicken sauces, your pork, your fish, your salmon, um, shrimp, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I guess so the lower fat ones would be the chicken, turkey. Correct. Shrimp, yeah. white shrimp. fish. Yep. But not adding the butter. Now, this is a great segue to... This is a great segue to whether Jackie should try carnivore again. Mm, I have been thinking about it, Louise. As you know, I have been thinking about it. I just find it such a challenge. But it's not off the cards. It's not off the cards. Right. So this gets to what sort of ratios we can talk about. When we're thinking about carnivore, wow, that's a lot of meat and that's a lot of protein. But it actually is super interesting because, you know, it could be two to one or it could still be one to one One, one in terms of whatever the ratio is and this then lends itself to again another experiment so whether you are doing the higher protein to a ratio of two you know two to one fat um, or really are you you know getting to that sort of one to one ratio so I think that's that's super interesting to sort of looking at what you can do as a little experiment Mm, yeah i mean i have been thinking about that i was actually thinking of just doing maybe beef and eggs that might be a bit of a challenge though i'm cringing isn't it yeah no well no well i could do steak and ground beef mince or you know like you know ham hamburgers you know that's you know an egg there's lots of 101 things you can do with eggs. Yeah. Duh. Okay, well, it's you, a possibility. You don't, you don't know until you try, Jackie. No. I for the for you listening, I have tried carnivore three times in the past. Three times, I think. And each time I haven't enjoyed it. And I miss do you know what I miss? I miss the things that really I really want to pick on are um is cucumber and olives and things like that it's you know and um a square of chocolate now and then that's the things that i really miss when i'm carnivore but it's not you know it's not as if i'm craving donuts or biscuits or cookies i hear jackie and the thing i worked out when i was doing when i was living and working in the UK. And I think for my budget consciousness, I was really 
um, living living quite frugally was when I was semi mostly carnivore was crunch. I think you know it was the crunch of the as you said the cucumbers. So I ended up buying dill pickle because I was wanting to drink the pickle juice and um, just for that salty, salty, crunchy. And yeah, I I hear you with that, um, with mushrooms. I miss mushrooms. I thought that they didn't count because they were fungus, so they weren't a vegetable. And um, I thought, well, they've got good vitamin B12. So um, yeah, so I sort of modified my carnivore approach to include the occasional dill pickle and um and mushrooms Mm, yeah but yeah so that's an option okay let's carry on okay um so the second option is although i was gonna i was gonna say if we're going for carnivore beef and eggs that would be quite high fat i would imagine that would be two to one okay and if you wanted to lower the fat you'd have to incorporate some chicken and turkey i guess yeah chicken so breasts so you're saying it's high fat, the beef and egg would be higher fat. I so it wouldn't, it, be, would be it wouldn't be two to one. Two. It wouldn't, no, it wouldn't, it be, wouldn't be a one to one to one. No. no. So while we're sort of, that's a great segue to option number two is to up your fats, keeping your protein moderate and obviously your carbohydrate is still low. So this might lend itself, you know, particularly I think for those women who have, you know, have perhaps have been in a state of starvation through obviously restricted eating and then the higher fats really give their body a chance to almost nourish itself in order to have those precursors for like hormones you know that hormonal repair where you know years and years of restricted sort of dieting and um, has perhaps impacted their system so they needed to have the higher fats to to heal Mm. and i think Many, many, many women will be in that category that they would have yo-yo dieted on and off for years. We know that the traditional diets are low calorie, low fat one, low fat and low calorie. So not only are they depriving their body of the fats that it needs to create hormones and many other processes in the body, but also the low calorie is the body is in starvation mode and um it can't function properly if it hasn't got enough calories to to function. Yeah. And I think people would be surprised. We talk about often the basal metabolic rate. And I think if they knew what their basal metabolic rate was for doing nothing, laying on bed on the bed for 24 hours and then adding in movement, they'd be quite surprised at how many calories the body actually needs. Yeah. So there's the We've heard from in the past Zoe Hardcomb and, you know, she talks about that energy equation, which is not just those calories in, calories out. It's the thermogenic, you know, effect of food. It's the non-exercise effects of, you know, just sitting still, as you said, just that sort of movement that also creates a, you know, an energy requirement as well. So fidgeting. So apparently fidgeters have um, higher, you know, exercise output than the yes. non-fidgeted types so yeah but you can't it's the natural fidgeting mm-hmm. those natural movements it's not thinking oh i'm gonna fidget and therefore i'm gonna lose more lose weight, weight. You, can't, <laughs> you can't do that otherwise i, I might try it but yeah. uh get those yeah. little finger spinners so jackie do you think that that's an option for you going high fat i think 
for me personally, I think I tend to eat high fat and maybe I need to cut back on the fat. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, I think I, I tend to eat quite a lot of fat. But this is a great sort of, we'll hold this thought about obviously tracking and um, both yourself and I, uh, you know, we're, we're good at tracking for a little while, but we seem to get, oh, it's just it's just an onerous task, but we'll hold that thought about tracking for um, number four. But tracking, you won't know. I mean, you do know because you do you have tracked in the past and you do know how much fat you have. So, um, yeah. Yep. I would say in terms of percentages, I probably have 60% fat, 25% protein, 5%. No, it must be more than that. Yeah, sometimes 30% protein. So usually my carbs are around 5% of my diet. Um, hmm. I think it depends on, on the day. Sure. So I think that that's an option. And why wouldn't you want to go higher fat? Because it's absolutely delicious. So, you know, it's again, it depends on the type and the quality and, you know, preferentially um, thinking about, you know, the range and different types of fats that you're consuming in terms of saturated, monounsaturated fats. Obviously, you know, the type and the range of fats and where it, where it's sourced from. So we don't want you just chugging butter. Um, you know, the fat needs to come obviously from perhaps it's attached to, you know, again, that good quality protein source. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think butter um, is my downfall. Butter is your downfall. Why wouldn't it be? It's delicious. Yeah. Um, you were talking about crunch before. I mean, you could have some bacon. Like if you had bacon, um, that's a good crunch for carnivore as well. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd miss the crunch. I think it's the, I don't know, the coolness of the cucumber, the wateriness of the cucumber I quite like. So, yeah. Okay. Bacon is an option. It's not, you know, I'm not, you know, people talk about keto and they go, oh, bacon, bacon. I can eat loads of bacon. Yeah. We throw loads of bacon away. We have it in the fridge all the time, but we throw away more than we eat. Oh my gosh. I've never heard. Oh my. Uh, Mind you. I might have bacon once a month or something. It's not a, it's not a staple of mine. It's not a favorite food. Interesting because it hasn't really been, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done a lot. When Andrew was here, we did do the tray bacon. Um, We did do that because we were eating, um, you know, obviously I was cooking a lot more, having, having someone else to cook for, which was really lovely. So we were actually doing the tray, the tray bacon for, um, bits and pieces, recipes and things. So, yeah, and we did a lot in Bangkok. We did a lot for um, the sandwiches because we were making the the low-carb breads, so bacon bacon sandwiches. Can't have that so, on Carnival, though. No. But you can have perhaps a beef patty and you can, or like a sausage patty, and you can have bacon, cheese, egg as a sandwich that way. You can actually do the egg white, like the egg white bread that Maria Emmerich uses. That's carnival because it's egg. Yeah. Mm. Doesn't appeal. It's a lot of work. Is it? Is it? I have never made it, but it just doesn't appeal. It looks strange. And I think, why? I don't need to replace bread. 
that's something else. That's also a really good point about substitutions. I mean, substitutions have helped a lot of people in transitioning their way in, you know, like the zoodles and the the collie rice, those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, but, you know, substitutions for bread, for bread substitutions. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Lots of people do. I just, when I stopped, for me, bread is that bread that I used to drive six miles yes. for every day. Okay. That is bread. And if I can't have that, then I don't need it. I don't have it. Um, I did make Megan Ellen's uh, low-carb bread, and I will have that very occasionally. But I don't feel I don't feel the need to have bread anymore. Mm, no. Yeah, and that was a staple in Bangkok. So um, yeah, for we would make the loaf and the um, and the bread rolls. So that was obviously something that sort of connected us to to Western food. So that was really lovely. Mm. But um, anyway, shout out to Megan. Um, the the number three. That so was number episode three, ninety one. If anybody wants to uh, listen, be, yeah, really good. So we have a third lever, and that's obviously to really go back to fasting. And listeners will know that Jackie and I have done a whole bunch of different patterns and combinations and permutations. And, you know, there was me, um, Jackie laid down the challenge for the 100-day challenge and um, me being the over overachiever went for 188 days so, um, <laughs> of alternate day fasting. So, Jackie is was just telling me before that she truly does obviously the um, 17, 18 hours, 18, 6, where I kid myself that I'm doing that because I still have cream in my coffee in the morning. But um, Jackie held up on the, on our Zoom call um, as we're recording a glass of water. So she is, you know, truly most days um, fasted. So are yeah, you going to be uh, thinking about incorporating something else more longer fasting um i was just going to say i don't do those long fasts every single day so if i'm going swimming at the weekend i quite often it might only be 15 or 16 hours but when i'm when i'm fasting um every day it is just water from when i finish my supper to when i have my lunch or just before lunch when i sort of take my vitamins and things like that I probably need to go back to doing some incorporating some fasting into my day, uh, day, week, um, whether that be once a week or twice a week, or maybe even try again with the alternate day fasting, doing it three times a week. Yeah, I, I just, I get you sound, very. You sound hesitant, you know. Yeah. What, what's, what's, you, you're balking at it. You're going, yeah, nah. Why? Because what? I like eating. I've decided I like eating. Um, I like the social aspects of the eating. I like eating food. And so when I'm in a fasting day, I feel like I'm constantly thinking about food. Whereas on a normal eating day, I probably don't think about food that much. I I sort of, I get that deprivation feeling, which, yeah. you know, maybe that's normal. Maybe lots of people feel that, but I I'm, I'm, don't think everybody does. So, and I have lots of affirmations around fasting. 
um, in that, you know, I'm giving my body a rest. I can do this. I can do hard things. Um, I'm healing my body. So I use lots of affirmations on days that I'm fasting if I'm going for a longer fast, but I don't enjoy it. I, I would be really remiss if I said I did, but I don't. And if we can just remind the listeners of um, Terry Lance, because she was really good from the fasting method in terms of a lot of that, as you said, mindset, because she was, you know, really good at sort of thinking, you know, it's not deprivation. It is, you know, I'm giving my body a rest. I am, you know, healing, you know, that that sort of mindset to, to fasting was start small, you know, that those were the incremental sorts of, you know, steps to, again, as as Megan Ramos would say about building our fasting muscle and we we build up to that. So we don't just launch into a five-day fast. We start that sort of incremental. And for me, you know, that would be I could literally just have the black coffee, but I don't enjoy it. Um I, I know that I'm, it's a crutch and it's, a, you know, as, as Megan would also say, it's, it's training wheels is having the cream and the coffee. But, you know, it's something that I don't think it's detrimental to me. Here I am, justification. Um, where I have tried the, um, the just the black coffees in the, when we were doing the alternate day fasting, you know, I did see, um, I was going to say my ketones, my ketones were higher. When I when I didn't have the cream in the coffee, mm, I, I can get that because then you're tapping into your body's um, natural fats rather than consuming them. Yeah, and you know whether that's the technical. Some you know the the fasting aficionados would say, "Well, I am having calories," and yes, I am. So I'm, I know that I'm fooling myself. I'm I'm food fasting, but I'm not necessarily fasting fasting having mm. um, having that, but. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I tend to just, I clean fast. And if I have anything, it would just be a black tea. But quite often it's just water. Yeah. No, you're, you're, I, I admire your um, strength. So resilience. I'm yeah. But just... then, I'm, then I'm obsessing about the food. So yeah, maybe it's something I haven't fasted for a long time. So maybe it's something I need to consider again. Just remind me, I mean, I don't think for both of us, after we came out of the, of you know, the alternate day fasting, sort of the challenge, then we were into the holidays, into the into our um, Christmas holidays. I haven't really, to be to be honest, I haven't really done anything other than just just the my um, not eating until lunchtime sort of stuff. So I haven't really yeah. done anything. No, me neither. I have a long time. Well, it's July now, so I think we need to get back into it, get those training yeah. wheels back on. Yeah. So what we're we talking about, maybe forty going back to the 40 hours once or twice or three times a week. I like the idea. I mean, for me, what got me the results, as you know, was the alternate day fasting. What works for you was the the two or was it the mm. three? The three, it was the 48, 40-hour fast. Yeah. The twice a week, that worked for you. The alternate day worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's another thing to consider. So 
The fourth thing that we need to consider is tracking. So we've got to pick, pick, circle back and pick up the tracking idea because no doubt I know in my mind that the carb creep has not crept in. It's like a real big lorry that is just sort of, you know, um, I again, I think I'm fooling myself if I'm if I'm under 20 grams of carbs a day. Yeah, I, I did go through a phase earlier in the year where I was much higher carb. When I say much higher, I would say 50 grams of carbs. Um, but since since I came back from Spain in May, I've been quite low. And I would say I've most days been under the 20 grams. And then again, in the Facebook group, I know that you you you're very good at sharing what you know what's on your plate and that sort of stuff. I know where my creep comes in is probably one too many cups of coffee with um, with the cream. The mm. other thing is nuts, and um, so I tend to buy our major. Um, one of our supermarket chains has bags, 200 grams bags of macadamia nuts. And I try, I try to portion them out into four lots of 50 grams, but that doesn't happen because once you start, you can't stop. It's like a Pringle. Once you, once you pop, you can't stop. And I've tended to bring the bag to work for lunch. So I'm lunch. I don't lunch. I lunch at my, um, lunch at my desk. And I have a little sort of travel cup and the lid looks like that it would be the same sort of portion of 50 grams. So I try and sort of maybe have a snack of 50 grams of um, 50 grams of macadamia nuts. And um, but 50 grams turns into 100 grams. Mm. And so I do know that's probably where one of the carb things has come in yeah so nuts is something that i have to be really careful with so quite often i won't have them they're just not in the house because it's very hard to keep to particularly one ounce but even which is your 25 grams or two ounces your 50 grams it's quite hard to keep to that especially i soak them and then i Oh, you activate them. Dehydrate them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I put, then roast them with salt Mm. and oil. And Mm. they're very, very Moorish. They are delicious. But yeah, so the macadamia nuts that I I buy is something that is attached to emotions because, again, we, we, you were talking about deprivation. And after living abroad, as I did, you know, I, yeah, I just love them because this packet it was something that I had previously sort of, you know, was a a little bit expensive. Like, you know, for 200 grams, it's nine Australian dollars, but it's which is roughly four, four pound fifty for you. Mm, five dollars um, or something. Five American yeah, dollars. Five American dollars. So it's not, I mean, it's a little bit expensive for 200 grams. So um but I'm using that as a, I was, I was going to say, it's connected to emotion. So, and that's why, you know, because I hadn't had it for two years and I just love it. But it's also very satiating. And for 50 grams, you know, the two ounces, it's quite satiating to break my fast at lunchtime at my desk because I don't actually take a 
take a break for for lunch. I just sit there and I can nibble mm. that quickly, feel full, and then that gets me going until the afternoon. Yeah. So what do you think about protein sparing modified fasts? Incorporating so is, those into your week. Yeah, and this is something that um having follow I follow obviously Maria Emmerich um on the social medias and and see what recipes and the um what she does. So I do think that there's ways and means of certainly that would address two things. It's higher protein and lowering lowering your carbs and incorporating obviously um some fasting in there as well. I think it has a number of it can tick a number of boxes there. Yeah. Especially if you keep the low calories to about 800 something Correct, like that. Correct, the 800s. And that's what your I Michael struggle with your, that. Your Michael Mosley does. That's his fast 800 sort of way as well. Mm, yeah. So that's another option for people to to look into. Yeah. yeah. So Michael Mosley's fast 800 seems to be working I've heard for a lot of folks. Yeah. And we've mentioned lots of our podcast guests and I will include though the links in the show notes. Um, as well as the link to Michael Mosley's book. Yeah, that's great. So, Jackie, we've gone through a whole range for different levers. So high protein, low fat, high fat, moderate protein, fasting, and obviously just making sure that we titrate our carbs down to what our personal threshold is. Is there anything else? I think they're the main ones, aren't they? We're pretty I mean, much. Within, within fasting, there's there's all sorts of fasting that people can try because remember some of our listeners might not be doing any fasting at all. They might still be having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. So for them, it might be dropping one of those meals at the end um, or extending their fasting window, eating earlier in the evening and later in the morning, whichever end works. So just upping that to maybe aiming for, at least 14 hours a day fasting with a 10-hour win- eating window and then work on getting that up to, you know, quite often it's 15, 16, 17, 18 hours. And those that are in the 16, 17, 18 hours, maybe it's a 20 hours. Right. Yeah. So and... you just have to edge your, you know, work your way out from there. But then doing that you know if somebody let's say somebody was eating three times a day uh, three times a day every day so for them the first step might be dropping breakfast one day a week and then in a couple of weeks time maybe two days a week so it's about building up from there and so when we're talking about fasting we're not saying go from where you are now to going to for 40 hours you have to build it in and incorporate it and then so i would say you know dropping one meal once a week is a start and then build from there yeah and remember our podcast guest um graham curry so from the fasting highway so i think you know that that was a really really great you know advice for him was just obviously doing doing those sorts of things and really if we can drop I'm going to swear, not swear, but the crap. So it's obviously the the processed carbohydrates and, you know, just the, the junk food. 
so CRAP foods, so the processed carbohydrate foods, you know, that's that's a great start as well, as you said, building up the fasting muscle. And I think, you know, where we have support networks around us, so I know that in the UK low carb group, you have your your fasting wolf pack. And um, again, podcast guest Aranda, you know, it's really great to see that sort of community rally around when we're actually, um, you know, when we're at, when we are fasting and we have the Fabulous Keto Life Circle. So if you are fasting, you can join a fasting circle and know that you've got people around you that is um, obviously supporting you as on the same journey as you are. Mm. So I think there's also something that Aranda sort of mentioned in his um episode was these tiny habits you know the atomic habits you know that these things don't happen overnight it is again building um building a habit so um thanks to aranda for you know mentioning about the atomic habits which led me to the tiny habits so um you know where you got to think about those things those precursors to to the cues, so cueing your habit, and then you know what are the rewards and the reinforcements with with these habits, and the benefit of whatever change you make, Jackie, whatever lever you do, is really you know what's the reward that you want, you know to to think about building the habit, making it sustainable for you, you know watching what those cues are, and um, yeah, just going from there. Mm. So, are you going to make any changes? Yeah, I have actually made some changes. And I think it was after Lisa, um, we had our guest return. So um, Lisa Bailey, and she really inspired me to sort of get back to, to exercise. And um, Jackie's, we're on the on the Zoom call and I've got my gym gear still on. So, um, so thanks to Lisa. So shout out to Lisa Bailey. And it really connected me back to the, I remember telling Jackie about my tiny habits. So um, Jackie knows um, in my house, it's a townhouse, so I have a second floor. So each night that I know that I'm going to the gym, I place my my shoes and my gym gear at the top of the stairs. And one of the first things I did do was to just put my shoes on and then every day putting on my shoes to go to the gym. And then it was basically going to the gym, which, as I've mentioned in the past, is literally, you know, I can see it from my office, but it was physically detaching myself from the emails or the whatever stuff that was going on to extract myself from my office and walk the 100 metres to the gym. Then it was going in the gym. And so this built the habit up of, of that. But the biggest thing was the accountability. So for me, being an obliger, I needed to be accountable to Ali. Ali, the trainer man. So in my diary, I make a booking with Ali and that signals to me that I need to put my shoes on. I can't let Ali down. I need to get to Ali to see Ali today, you know, three times a day or three times a week um, at the gym. So the habit of going to see Ali is the the switch for me. But it's Mm. also those little things, those little tiny habits that, I prep my my gym gear at the top of the stairs, you know, and then it goes in the in the car, in the bag, to the office, puts my shoes on, gets to the gym. So that's one yeah. of the biggest things. So exercise. But the other thing is meal preparation is another habit. 
I'm still really bad at that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would be too. Uh, and Andrew and I, as accountability fasting accountability buddies, um, I think Buddhist Lent has started. I think you mentioning that. So this is where we did the extra um, eighty-eight days last year. So we were trying to do dry July, so no alcohol July. Um, which while he was still here didn't quite work out, but um, <laughs> but now that he's left the country, um, yeah, we both recognise the need to go back to fasting, and I think we were going to try and do the alternate day fastings, but we need to make a start on that. Mm. Yeah, I really need to think about what I'm going to do. Um, so I think it yeah, just needs to I'm be undecided. one thing. It's one yeah, thing. Yeah, it's hard to do one thing though. You tend to. I tend to do some days a higher protein and lower fat, and then another day won't be higher fat. And I tend to switch. And if you think about it, I am reliant on Julian for my food. So it depends cooking. And then some days I'm going to Taekwondo, but maybe I should just skip those suppers that day, which sometimes I do, but mostly I will eat something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just so, need to get consistency. I think the theme here is about being consistent and it's consistently doing one thing, like one intervention. You try one thing and you're going to have a start date. And I think it's really important for you to have an end date, like yeah. we did with the 100-day thing. And that yeah. way you can get to, say, you know, the 80, 90 days. If this is still working, I can give myself permission to go on longer if I want to. Yeah. And this is where the Fabulously Keto Journal will come in brilliantly because you can then set your goal in the in the journal and plan out what you're going to do for the week and then track and also I think which is important is tracking how you feel but that's not quite ready yet it's still a work in progress uh, but should be coming out within the next couple of months um, and it will be available on Amazon um, as well as our website so I think that's one thing that in my head I'm waiting for because I think that will keep me focused on what I'm going to work on. Um, but I hope this episode has been good for listeners to think about the different levers that they can pull to make some changes. If something, if you've stagnated or plateaued or maybe you're just not really sure where to start, it's maybe just choose one option and go with that. Um, but also I think it's important to take measurements before you start and keep track of where you are and how you feel. Jackie, that sounds mm. like your three top tips. Ah, well, you're going to ask for my three top tips. <laughs> so yes, number one, get a fabulously keto journal. Number two, choose one option and try it for a set amount of time I think is the key and track how you feel track how you feel and track your measurements so tracking they're my three top tips what are your three top tips and you can't my, choose my ones <laughs> no well I can't um num- number one is well for me would be pick your accountabilities or you know build in accountabilities and I think that that's for me that's being I'm accountable to Ali um, at the gym, I'm accountable to Andrew. Um, you know, I'm accountable to to Jackie. So, um, so she makes me holds me accountable. 
That works for me because I'm an obliger. So, you know, that's that's what I need to do. Uh, number two is consistency. So I'm what would be, I, it's funny because I use this quite a bit, um, is consistently inconsistent. You know, I mm. start stuff and I stop stuff and me you know, too. I'm consistently inconsistent. Yes, um, I like that. For, me too. For, for any health professionals out there, they would know that um, when we're talking about these sorts of things, about heart arrhythmias, you know, we talk about being regularly irregular. So, you know, AF, if atrial fibrillation, anyway, so regularly irregular. So, and I'm consistently inconsistent. Well, I'm to be a- irregularly irregular. <laughs> yes. So we'll just start calling Jackie AF. And <laughs> um, building consistencies, and part of that is getting back to number one, and that's obviously being accountable, so to, to do that. And I think part of number three is really focus on your habits and I've had, you know, a newfound appreciation having thanks to Aranda for the um, atomic habits and the tiny habits and really focusing on, you know, when I'm implementing a behaviour change, what is my, you know, how do I abilities and what are those actual processes that I need to do that, but also wrapped up in the um, atomic habits, you know, what are my cues and where are my rewards and how, how do they all fit in, fit in together. So I think, yeah, so top threes are accountabilities, making sure that we're consistent and having, um, you know, focusing on our habits for that consistency. Brilliant. Thank you. So thank you Jackie, for joining me. Thank you for joining me. And where can the listeners get the show notes for this episode? So the show notes will be at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero nine nine oh next week there won't be a zero (laughs) no zeros tripping over well it's great great catching up yeah thank you it would be great if you could support us through patreon go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, 
healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.